This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 7th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Before the fiscal year has even begun, all the H-1B visas will be spoken for, the visas that allow high-skilled workers to come to the United States and ply their trade for a few years. But with so few visas available and so many high-skilled jobs in the U.S. waiting to be filled, what are high-tech industries to do? Dan Griswold, the director of Cato's Center for Trade Policy Studies, has a few suggestions. The H-1B program has been around for a a few decades, and it's aimed at high-skilled foreign-born professionals. It allows them to come into the country temporarily, uh, typically for three years, renewable for another three years, and then the expectation is they they go back to to their country. Uh, In 1990, Congress uh, put a cap. It didn't have a cap before, but Congress put a cap of 65,000 H-1B visas a year. And at the time, that wasn't an issue because the number of workers coming in under the program was significantly below that. We were less of a high-tech economy uh, back then. But that 65,000 cap uh, came to be a problem uh, in the late 1990s as the high-tech boom uh, took off. The United States cannot produce on its own, it seems, all of the brain power necessary to fill all these jobs. Bill Gates went before uh, Congress and was arguing for an, an increase in the cap, and presumably that sentiment is felt throughout Silicon Valley and throughout the tech sector. Yeah, the problem became apparent in the late 1990s uh, when the, the dot-com boom, the high-tech boom, uh, took off. There literally were not enough Americans to fill the position, and that 65,000 cap soon became a problem to the point where uh, there weren't enough visas to go around. Uh, U.S. companies were looking for, for workers. And then in the, the fall of 2000, Congress uh, tripled the cap to 195,000. Well, unfortunately, the dot-com bubble uh, burst uh, around then. And so we had the phenomenon that there were actually a couple of years there where there were about 100,000 unused uh, visas. And then the cap dropped back down in, I think, 2004, just as the high-tech sector was taking off. This is why we don't want Congress micromanaging U.S. labor policy. They got it exactly uh, wrong. But here here we are in the same problem. The high-tech sector has recovered quite well uh, uh, as this uh, decade has uh, progressed, and yet the cap is back down there at 65,000. So just a few days ago, on uh, April 1st, uh, U.S. companies can apply for visas that kick in when the fiscal year begins, October 1st. The visas are gone uh, virtually in a few days, uh, and and there's many more companies that would like the visas. And this is creating a a terrible problem for U.S. industry. They literally cannot find the high-tech workers they need. There there are a significant number of well-educated Americans who qualify for these jobs, and they fill these jobs, but there aren't enough. Uh, And so uh, that presents a conundrum for for U.S. businesses. If they can't find the workers they need here in the United States, they'll look abroad. You mentioned Bill Gates uh, testifying before uh, Congress. He pointed out that Microsoft has had to locate an important uh, research facility in Canada uh, because Canada has a much more open policy towards high-skilled workers. This is a loss for the U.S. In fact, Uh, Studies show that for every H-1B worker that a U.S. company hires, they typically hire five other workers, most of them American-born workers. Why? Because these high-tech workers complement U.S. workers. They create work. They they bring in brainpower, ideas. They enable companies to ramp up their research 
and development. So this is a, they aren't competing against Americans, they're complementing Americans and making us more competitive in the global economy. For those who would oppose expanded H-1B visas, it would seem that giant companies like Microsoft locating new activity outside the United <laughs> States would go against what their interest would be, which is preserving their own employment and giving the group of people in that their area more things to do. Yes. Uh, the irony is some of the people who complain the loudest about uh, outsourcing and U.S. companies moving uh, facilities abroad, and, and I think that should be fine if it helps them control costs and it's uh, dictated by, by the market. Uh, but they're the same ones who complain about H-1B workers who come to the United States and, and make U.S. companies more competitive uh, here at home. So I think U.S. companies should have freedom to locate their, their capital abroad, but I also think they should have the freedom to have human capital come here to the United States. We, we have the infrastructure in place. We have Silicon Valley. We have Redmond, Washington, these great uh, companies and facilities. Uh, they're just missing the workers. And if they... If U.S. companies can't find the workers they need here, uh, we shouldn't be surprised to see them looking abroad to relocate their facilities. There are many calls for reform. What is the reform that you would propose? There are actually some legislation on the Hill that would uh, double the H-1B cap to 130000 Another bill would triple it to 195000 I think there's an argument for just doing away with the cap altogether. Uh, these workers don't come into the country if there is not work for them. Uh, and U.S. companies would prefer to hire American-born workers. You pay a oh, six to $10,000 premium just to hire a foreign-born worker, paying the fees, the lawyer's costs, and then there's can be certain training and language issues. They clearly would, would want to hire Americans. Uh, if, if they're just hiring these workers to undercut uh, U.S. wages, then you'd expect the H-1B hiring to go up during uh, downturns because they want to control costs when, in fact, the applications for visas plunge uh, because, because there isn't the work. So I'd just do away with the cap. Get, let's get Congress out of the business of micromanaging the employment needs of U.S. companies. Let, let's, let's let U.S. companies make those decisions just as we let them make decisions about investment, uh, research, uh, so that they can most effectively compete in global markets. Dan Griswold is the director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. Read more on migration and the economy at cato.org.